Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. I'm here with Rob Dayton from the city of Santa Barbara. Rob, how are you? I'm doing great, Josh. Rob, I wanted to talk to you. I've known you for, I think, about 20 years. <laughs> and I used to cover you back when I was at the news press, uh, write mm -hmm. stories about all of the transportation and planning issues that you were working on. And you're still here. And so when I write and write stories now, I really enjoy when you speak because you're somebody who's got this long background and this long history and you know something that happened beyond just last year or last week and you kind of bring that intelligence and conscience and wisdom to the city hall discussion. So I'm really looking Thank forward you. to Thank yeah, you. I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. We're at this historic moment in time because the city of Santa Barbara yes just decided that they were going to open up about nine blocks of State Street to pedestrians. This is in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, yep. trying to help the restaurants so they can accommodate their social distancing needs. Is this your dream come true? We've, we've been able to close <laughs> State Street to cars and open it up to other modes of transportation. Talk to me about this moment in time. Well, it's interesting because, Josh, it's never about it's never about whether we should have it open to cars or, or open to pedestrians and bikes. It's all about community. Uh, public works and being a government official, it's all about providing the foundation for the community to thrive. That's what we do. So in the COVID-19 thing, uh, the restaurants are suffocating and they need to get open and the governor's order doesn't allow for them to be completely open. So they can be open on the sidewalk. So we can increase their capacity on the sidewalk. Retail can be, look more open by coming out on the sidewalk. So the promenade is, was an opportunity to sort, support businesses. And then also to have a really cool place for people to come. I was down there last night. It was thriving. There was people walking up down the street, bicycling, skateboarding. We even had a pogo stick going up and down the street. <laughs> so... Uh, is this going to be a permanent thing? Is this temporary? How, how, how is this going to play out long term? Well, again, it's all about community. So mm -hmm. as, a, as a transportation guy in Santa Barbara for 30 years, coming up on 30 years, the most controversial thing that anyone's uh, ever uh, talked about or the, the greatest, the most frequently asked question is when are we going to close State Street? And then as soon as you start talking about closing State Street to vehicles, you get a half the people get up in arms. Uh, and so the, it's never happened because there's uh, people who have very differing values on that. And again, the point is community. How do you create a street that creates community? That's what's most important. So in this season, opening it makes sense. And then over the next week, we'll see what happens and we'll change things to support business and, and support community. I don't know if it's going to uh, be, uh, you know, what the considerations are, are for keeping it open like that. Uh, in the future, but you know what a lot of people will tell you is the first thing they tell anyone who comes to Santa Barbara is drive up State Street. You got to see it. So that you know, and then we have parades on top of that. We have parades up State Street. So when people talk about closing and reconfiguring blocks, it's really important to think of the things that have to change in order to do that. Where do the parades go? Uh, where do the where does the cruising end up? And then uh, State Street's also the backbone for the bicycle system. Uh, and so we've got the most bicycles, the most pedestrians on State Street. In fact, the same number of pede more pedestrians go under 101 on the sidewalks than do vehicles. 
Yeah. So what's really interesting about that is the pedestrians have six feet on either side and the vehicles have four lanes and one in the middle that's not even used by them. So it's, you know, so again, we, we, we need to strategically position and design things uh, for Santa Barbara to support community and, and to have them thrive. And that's businesses and, and, um, you know, just being happy. Let's talk about this idea of creating equity among modes of transportation. We know that in other cities in California, around the world, they have embraced other modes of transportation far greater than Santa Barbara has to this point. You've been on the front lines and Santa Barbara's made a lot of progress. But why should a community think about when it approves or considers a project about how bicycles can move, how pedestrians can move? Why is that important when historically cities have planned for for vehicles and mm-hmm. for cars. Help me understand, yeah. help people understand well, so why that's important. It's a great question. And what's really interesting is about Santa Barbara is we're, we've always been ahead of the curve. And it's not as, you know, it began way before I ever showed up uh, in 1991. Um, you know, it started really uh, back in the 60s with the oil spill and this movement that um, uh, in the 1964 plan, which is pre-oil spill, the oil spill happened in 1969. The 1964 general plan says that, uh, in so many words, we don't want to be like L.A. Santa Barbara is the place for the uncommon. And at that time, they were saying, the, the language says that automobile is continuing to demand more space. And, it, and if we let it have free reign, it'll take over the city. And, and when you think about it, you know, the automobile is, is a beautiful thing. It represents freedom. But if it becomes a prison and you have to spend time in it and you have to spend time like in L.A. in congestion, it's not cool. And traffic congestion can never be what Santa Barbara represents. Santa Barbara represents freedom, the, the same kind of freedom that comes from the automobile. It's, it's, a, it's convenience and it's prosperity. These are the kind of things that the automobile should serve us in, but not chain us. So what's really amazing about that is that Santa Barbara has got a limited amount of automobiles it can have. And yet we still have to grow uh, incrementally. We grow very slowly, but we still have to grow to accommodate the needs. And right now we have a housing crisis uh, in Santa Barbara. How do you grow but not let the automobile, the bad part about the automobile, crush us? And so the things that I talk about is how do we do that? And that means alternative modes. And it just so happens we've been you know, building bikes and working on that. We're on our third bicycle master plan. And uh, Places for Bikes is ranking us third in the nation for bikes this year. And we've done a lot. Of, I mean, there's so many things that are going to come online to change it. And, and that does a couple things. It makes it so we can grow and use bikes for transportation. But then also using a bike for transportation is related to health. It's related to happiness. It's related to coordination and longevity. So there's so many things that that can benefit uh, the city of Santa Barbara. Plus, bicycles are in our DNA and history. It was the bicycle club that lobbied to have the streets paved. (laughs) You know, it's like it was a big deal uh, at the beginning of our city. So it's kind of part of who we are. And then walking, everybody likes to walk. That's when you see people's faces. Community happens when you're walking and encountering each other. So, you know, those elements are really important. And as transportation purposes, they can help it so that those who do drive, most of us are going to drive for our trips, but we want to do it without congestion. That means we have to grow bicycling and walking in transit 
so that we can grow in prosperity and not cut off our nose to spite our face by creating congestion that's LA-like. What are some of the things you hear from the car advocates, the people who push back against increasing these other modes of transportation? Why wouldn't they want to close State Street most of the time? Well, first of all, I'm a car advocate. Yeah. You know, like, you know, just like I just explained, I mean, I'm a car advocate. The more more Santa Barbarans are going to drive than anything else. The, the reason, um, the reason maybe some uh, businesses, and it's not people in their cars, it's mainly people who are in businesses want to have vehicle traffic, is they believe that some people need to drive by their business and see it in order for them to come. And to some extent, that's true. Like you look at Pearl Street in, in Colorado, you know, that Pearl Street is, a, is, a, is like five short blocks, much shorter than our blocks. But if you look at the economic value of the businesses in the middle of the block, they are lower than the ones that are on the edge where there's a cross street and motorists can pass by. So even in the pedestrian plaza, the economics are going to be higher where you get more visibility. And so when you take a road away, uh, you, you, you limit the visibility. Now, the way you change that on its head is that if you create the living population where they're there every single day, regardless of whether they decide to go downtown, no, they're there. That's when you get the activity you need and you can start actually not having vehicles on the street, but having pedestrians because pedestrians are already there. You think about State Street, it's only active from about noon to 6 p.m. That's that's your heyday. That's only six hours out of 24. So you know we're ripe to close streets when the activity is early in the morning, 6 a.m., and late at night, and there's a living, breathing population that's, that's constantly active on that street. And that's a good transition into talking about downtown and the city. Yeah. Even before COVID-19, the city was struggling with an increase in retail vacancy storefronts. Um, it's been a challenge as people have shifted their uh, shopping habits from brick and mortar to online. We've been seeing that the last few years and uh, we've seen it on State Street. And then the COVID-19 pandemic happens and it's far worse yeah, than anybody totally. could have ever imagined. Let's talk about what your your sort of vision is for, for Santa Barbara mm-hmm. and downtown economically. Uh, how do we build out of this and get to a place where we're even stronger than we were before? That's a great question. And, and the answer is we need to reinvent uh, downtown. We need to reinvent it. Uh, a really cool story is Bernie Hoffman came to the city of Santa Barbara in 1919. His daughter, Margaret, the reason he came was she had diabetes. Uh, she got healed right away in the first clinical trial of insulin applied by Dr. Samson, now Samson Clinic. Yeah. And he wanted to give back to the city. He was an engineer very wealthy. He purchased the De La Guerra house uh, and he did a demonstration project in the pasture land behind the De La Guerra house called El Paseo. We all know it. Beautiful. Uh, And in his estimation, he saw all the Victorian brick buildings and thought, you guys don't understand. You live in earthquake country. Spanish revival architecture is stronger. Let me show you how to do it. And you know, we all love El Paseo. That was his, here's how you need to be. And then him and Pearl Chase, who's also from Massachusetts, they, they developed the first planning commission, plans and planning committee. And then uh, Bernie wrote the uh, building code that favored Spanish revival. And then a week later, the earthquake hit. And that facilitated 
this the Spanish the Spanish revival architecture. So you get a hundred years later now. Here we are, this iconic global brand because of that architecture, and now another earthquake is hit. It's it's uh, it's the interior of that building. The buildings are still standing, but the but the interior doesn't work because there's no there's not very little housing downtown. Brick and mortar retail has shifted, and we need to create what I call the Santa Barbara ecosystem of downtown, which is on our values of health and tech and uh, longevity and happiness. Uh, and this is and and this is what Santa Barbara is all right about community. So that means we have to invent downtown and how we do things so that developers want to build housing. We need a community of 4,000 to 7,000 units downtown. We need people to see each other on the street daily and know each other, a community that knows each other. We need to build an ecosystem that's not about tourism. It's about locals and how we want to live as a people. And that's what we did with Spanish Revival Architecture. That's what Bernie Hoffman did and became the envy of the world. This iconic brand is not a tourist draw. It's about us and how we want to be. And then the tourists will come because they want to go where the locals go. But that's what I see us doing is we need to plan that, that, uh, that housing, the living, uh, breathing, play, work, uh, live atmosphere in the downtown. How do we get there? We know that there's a lot of frustration with the community development department. We know that it's expensive to live downtown, to do anything downtown. How do we get past those those barriers, uh, change the city culture maybe? How do we actually get to that point where it's, it's viable and not just something that it would make sense from a theoretical perspective? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's one I think of a lot. And there's no mystery that uh, the reputation of our and receptivity uh, for building is, uh, is not good. Um, and, you know, as we fix that, we don't want to throw out the good part about it, which is we do have standards. And the standards are what everyone produce, what everyone loves. <laughs> so we got to keep the standards, but then we also have to roll out the, the welcome mat that says, hey, developer, we want you. And if you, if you come forward and propose the type of development that we're looking for, we're going to walk with you through this process. We're not going to leave you in the dark with a candle to get to find your way. We're going to be there hand in hand showing you and and going before the decision makers and stating with the developer why this is important. As hired planners of paradise, we need to walk with the developer and, and make sure they get through the process. If we don't create a surety in the process and, and um, predictability, uh, that's the thing that developers say, I'm not going to risk it. It's not the price as much as that's the price I have to pay and once I've paid it, I'll get there. It's when the goalposts move and, and there's no certainty about how I'm going to get through the process or they get lost and, and they just fall away. We have to create a surety, tell them what they want, tell them, tell them what we want. And then when they agree to it, walk them with them so they get there. I read a story recently about Peter Lewis's project behind the Staples building. It was sort of a pre-application yep. talking about... Uh, 84? 84 units. 84 units. Um, I know it's early. We, we don't know what that's going to look like. But sort of just using that and just in general, uh, is that kind of sort of the housing that you envision for downtown? Sort of that high-density housing, uh, one, two bedrooms. Uh, 
what are some of the other sort of spots we could do something like that downtown? Uh, well, yes, we're going to need all types of housing downtown. But the one product that we don't have, and, and this is what I keep talking to, is like everybody wants to have affordable. They want to, they want, you, you got to create something affordable. Well, creating something affordable in the highest, most desirable place. All these tech companies, tech, tech companies that come, they don't want to live in Carpinteria. They don't want to live in Goleta, Upper State Street. They want to live in downtown Santa Barbara. That's the lifestyle they want. So when we create something that is uh, that has ample parking and has a lot of space, then it becomes very expensive. <laughs> so so how do you flip that on its head? And what is the the Santa Barbara ecosystem? Well, the, in the in the what I believe it is 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 that State Street and the 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 areas in the streets and the businesses become the living room they become the place where i do my community i don't do it on site in my community pool with my community room a pool table and all these things that are on my apartment building no we take those all away no we want to we want to court the people who want to make the santa barbara lifestyle their lifestyle and that means also for transportation People get really frustrated when I say, let's not provide parking. And, and then they say, well, you know, I would not live downtown if, if you didn't give me parking. And then I say, oh, are, are you want to live downtown? And they go, well, no, I would never live. Okay, well, perfect. We're not providing for you. And, and, and the bottom line is, if you don't provide parking, then the, the desire to live there goes down. Because there's a lot of people who don't want that lifestyle. And I say, great, we don't want you either. We want the person who's not going to proliferate ourselves, our, our city with traffic. We want the person who has a very low earth footprint, an environmental footprint, who wants to use Uber and transit and bikes, electric bikes, make it even easier to get around. And they want to, they want to be in the downtown living room. Those are the type of people we want. And that means they don't get a big apartment. We need to do the smaller apartments, again, that less people want. If less people want it, then the price is also less, which is what people are asking for. So we need to look at these micro units, the 350, 400 square foot units, because we don't have that product mm -hmm. in our city yet. And those are the people who are more likely going to be attracted to the lifestyle we want to, that will make retail successful and the experience successful in our city. That makes a lot of sense. Sometimes I hear people say, well, Santa Barbara should be planning for families. I've heard some people on the council say that, that people come to Santa Barbara at sort of a stage in their life, in their 20s, and then they get married and they want kids and they want more. They want more space. They want yards. They want to be able to live in a different, uh, have a different lifestyle. Can Santa Barbara ever address those needs or are we just sort of going to be people who have uh, you know, millennials, tech people downtown, and then people who are fortunate enough to buy their houses a long time ago everywhere else. Is there a way to build like new family housing, like stuff we might see in Goleta in Santa Barbara? Yeah, there is a way to do it. The challenge is that when you make something that's big enough for the family and their concept of what that, that place should be, mm -hmm. Uh, in, in the kind of the vein of the, what you're asking is that it gets priced out because it's too big. Like if you do a two-bedroom unit yeah. in downtown. Right now, how many two-bedroom units do you have 500 feet off State Street? There's probably 30. Mm -hmm. Those are going to be very expensive. Yeah. Now, if we, if we do 4,000, they'll be cheaper. 
because there'll be more opportunity. You know, they, you, you flood the market with product, you're going to drop the price. It's just economics. But then the other thing is we got Santa Barbara. Who doesn't want to live in Santa Barbara? So I say there are families who want that lifestyle of downtown who do not need bigger spaces. They just don't. I, I know families who are living in studios downtown. They want, a, they want the experience, so they make the sacrifice. And, the, and this happens in European cities. This happens globally. But in, we're in California, and Santa Barbara is kind of a different animal uh, in California. And if we attract the, the, the types of families who have, that, that don't need to have a, a vehicle, who want to walk their kids to a downtown school, who want to have that lifestyle and are willing to walk their kids through it in a, in a urban atmosphere, not a suburban atmosphere, then, then we'll get those families. But if we try to build a suburban home in, in an urban environment, thinking that the suburban families will show up, they'll be priced out and they won't ever get there. So you'll design for it, but they won't show up. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the politics of the city council. I, uh, covered lots of city councils. I was two years away in the Bay Area as a reporter, but pretty much covered every council since 1999. And one of my observations is that we're seeing a different type of council member. We're seeing younger council members. We're seeing uh, people who have other jobs and they're able to uh, run, get elected on the city. And they sort of put these two jobs together and they're sort of working and they're busy they're, they're a lot more representative of a lot of the types mm -hmm. of people in the community uh, but i've also noticed that with the move to district elections we've sort of seen less sort of um, inherited knowledge mm -hmm. when they go up there to talk about the issues i've noticed that a lot of times council members will ask questions right there in the meeting that could have been asked prior so that when you get to the meeting you can move faster or you can actually talk about the answer. What's your sort of take on the kind of council we have now, mm -hmm. we've seen recently with district elections? Have you seen any change versus 10, 15 years ago in terms of how they approach these projects that you're working on? Oh yeah, was, like you described, it was a significant change. Yeah. Um, you know, before, when I first got here in 91, there wasn't even a salary associated with the position. so. You, you had people that were uh, didn't need the job who were going for it and then uh, and then they created the salary and you started to see some people who maybe needed it as a job and then the district election means that you're not elected by 500 votes you're, you're 5,000 votes it's 500 so it's a huge difference it's a huge shift and uh, it is creating what it's intended to do which is have neighborhood representation which is really awesome and then we just need to, as a city staff, in a city manager form of government, where the city manager is, uh, you know, Paul Casey is in, is in charge of the city and, and runs the city, and then the council gets involved in the in the decisions of the issues we bring before them in terms of money and policy direction. We need to educate the council to the level that they can be effective, and it's incumbent upon us. Uh, and this is what I love. I love sitting down. You know, we, we have great teams of people sitting down with council members and really getting into the hearts of their question, getting into the weeds, so to speak, about what is the mechanics of stuff. Uh, we, all have, we also have to build trust with them. You know, when someone comes into office, they don't always believe that government is a good thing. Sure. Uh, I, do, I do see 
council members leaving saying the staff at the city of Santa Barbara is exceptional. So that's good. But we need to spend time with them and educate them on issues. Give them the history that they may not have. Give them the depth of knowledge. Walk with them and build trust with them. So that when we're saying stuff, that it's out of relationship that they're hearing, not just out of technicality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really, really important. And, and, the, and the bottom line is they all have the same passion. Every, every council member over time has had the same passion. We all have it. We love Santa Barbara. All of our disagreements are based on the same passion of loving Santa Barbara, wanting to do the best for Santa Barbara. All these council members have it. And I trust them to do a good job. We need to uh, build trust with them. Uh, by giving them good information, educating them at a deeper level than we ever had, and teaching them. Because uh, city government is a very complicated thing. It, it really is. And, it's, and it's, not a, it's not a science, and it's not always the same. And it's constantly shifting. And you have to adapt to what's going on. So that means we have to adapt to uh, a change in council and how, how they are, are elected so that we can make them even more effective. And I have noticed that, for example, on the east side, we hear conversations now, questions about, well, what does this mean for Milpas? Uh, what, you know, what, what's going to happen with the width of sidewalks on Milpas? Are we going to narrow the streets or, or, or make changes to accommodate uh, pedestrians and, and bicyclists on Milpas Street? And you may not have heard so much of that before, that sort of micro focus. So you definitely get a broader sort of perspective on the council, which is super super helpful to the community tell me a little bit about yourself um how did you get to santa barbara where, <laughs> where did you grow up did you were you did you when you were growing up were you uh, on a bike outside uh one of those super hyper kids who i would imagine you doing um you know being or uh how'd you get into planning and transportation and what brought you to santa barbara well i started in the backyard with hot wheels but i always <laughs> always wanted to manage cities uh, uh from oh. from a young age i was either going to manage cities or make movies either one. Oh, yeah. so uh yeah so when i went to uh usc i that was my deciding moment it was either film school or urban regional planning yeah. uh, i chose urban regional planning and uh i was uh i was fascinated with how vehicles had work and caused uh, decentralization of los angeles and uh, so I started working in the area of transportation there, and I needed government experience. So I saw a job in Santa Barbara, and uh, Dave Davis hired me in 1991. And, uh, you know, man, I very much respect. And I was only going to spend here two years mm-hmm. here, get my government experience, and go back to Los Angeles. And I fell in love with the city. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and I'm not really good with government, you know, bureaucracy drives me absolutely crazy. Uh, so I had to reinvent my position to paradise manager. And so <laughs> I know I, Hey, I, that's, uh-huh. I, if I can manage the city I love, yeah. isn't that beautiful? So I helped to do that. And, uh, the rest is history. I never left and never want to. So were you hired in community development when you first started? Uh, actually, Dave Davis was on the review panel. Oh, okay. Because at that time, the uh, the transportation planner was a big deal okay. in terms of development. Because the transportation planner was getting in the way of development. Oh, okay. And Dave okay. wanted to make sure that we had the right person. Okay. And uh, I really do believe that's true. You know, we're a part of the land development process, too, in transportation planning. Yeah. And 
And I tell the staff that it's our goal. We have, we have a two types of customers. We have one customer who's in front of us asking for a permit. We need to do our best to help them. And then the other customer we have is the city of Santa Barbara and the members of the public. And we have to balance uh, the goodness for the public uh, over the goodness of the one who's before us. But we have to help the person before us get to where they can reach that balance, where they're benefiting the city and themselves. Because that's the magic. They're only there to benefit themselves. We've got to make some, do- some dollars, mm-hmm. but it's got to benefit the city of Santa Barbara too. And that's, that's the sweet spot we go for. So City of Santa Barbara, has that been your one professional job since college in government? Uh, well, I was a, I was a consultant uh, in L.A. for five years, an environmental consultant, transportation consultant. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the rest of my career has been Santa Barbara. City of Santa Barbara. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, so we're going on 30 years. And like I said, I, you know, I've, I've weathered all sorts of issues uh, and um, different leaders. and but, ball, ball bouts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Different <laughs> scenes. Right. Yeah. Like uh, different reactions, different political seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, but the one thing remains the same is is it gets back to that passion for Santa Barbara. Everybody has that. That's why that's why our discussions get heated. That's why things are controversial. And it, what's cool about that is we're, it all comes from the same place. We love it. We love this place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always, I always tell my staff that, you know, recognize that, don't get frustrated, recognize that people have come out commonality in that and, and utilize that, uh, call out the purpose of where we're going so that they can come together. As soon as you get the why, like you're talking about closing state street, if you talk about closing or opening state street, that's just a, that's just a means. But if you talk about to the end for which that means is intended, there's a lot of agreement. And then we can talk about how to get there and we'll be more successful as a community. And so let's, let's bring it back to how we started. You know, State Street is just part of this. So what, what is your vision? You know, if you were in charge and you were going to sort of set the agenda here for downtown and planning and, and development and building community buy-in, uh, what would, how would you make Santa Barbara look and how would you do it, you know, looking out the next two, five 10 years what's what's your vision for all this well I'd, I'd have the council and I'm, I'm i'm hopeful that the community development manager will in working with him do this uh we we need to set a, a housing goal for downtown we need to set goals uh the council needs to we need to suggest some things and the council needs to decide what is that what is their vision for downtown what is that santa barbara ecosystem that we're going for not talking in in mechanism like uh, building heights and widths and size talk about what you want to see tell me what the street looks like in the in your future your best santa barbara future you're walking down state street what is happening describe that to me tell me where we're going and then trust that staff can can bring you recommendations on how to get there and for most people i talk to they want to see community they want to meet friends without having scheduled the appointment and see people in the coffee shop they want to have working environments that are that are flexible and inexpensive and can change time to time. People want to move their jobs from 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 this to that. They don't want a solid career. They want to find their way. They want to find purpose. How can we how can we build and enable a downtown that is a community that does that? Those are the kind of questions that I'd love to answer in concert with other staff members and council members and planning commissioner members. What about those electric bikes you unveiled yeah. a while ago? When are we going to see those now? September. Uh, B-Cycle is uh, a truck 
company, which yeah. is local. And uh, fortunately, all those bikes are built. Uh, all 250 of them are, are built and ready to go. So we're just working on the, uh, the locking mechanism on the street. Uh, but September is our goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to be working to go through the Historic Landmarks Commission. Uh, that's probably our, our steepest uh, hurdle. And, um, so they'll, they'll, will, they be, will they be docked? Or how will you do They'll that? be docked. Okay. Yeah, it's a docking system. Right. Uh, we didn't think Santa Barbara was ready for a class, you know, piles of bikes. Well, here. the greatest thing, well, one of the greatest things you ever did was stopping those, uh, was it bird? Was it bird or was it lime? The scooters. The scooters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was really quick. You guys responded to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't you know, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, some people are really pro-scooter in the name of environmentalism, which is great. We, we need to, our DNA in Santa Barbara is to, should have environmental policy that's, that's at the, that's a pinnacle for us. But the scooter was unsafe. It is unsafe. There's too many people getting hurt. Yeah. Uh, uh, fractures are the common and most of them are to the head. So, you know, it was just logical to say no. Public works at its heart needs to create safety, prosperity, and happiness. That's what we do. So the scooter doesn't fit that. It may, it may be a wild, fun ride, mm-hmm. uh, but too many people are getting hurt. Okay, Rob. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time to Thanks, talk Josh. to me about these yeah. issues. Anytime. Well, good luck with, uh, with State Street and mobility and downtown. It's an exciting time. Thanks a lot. Thank and you. And thanks to Kiva Cowork for sponsoring this podcast.